0: Welcome back, everyone, to episode nine of the Dice Pirates podcast. We are here bringing you today a review of the new board game from Stonemaier Games Pendulum. I am your captain, Ian, joined here by my able-bodied sailor. Well, my sailor, Matt. How you doing, Matt? Uh,
1: sailor? I mean, you know, I've been. I was first mate last week, and I know there was an incident with a fire... And a cannon explosion and a few other mishaps, but I think getting bumped down to sailors unfair. I mean, is there not a second mate, a third mate?
0: Well, the thing is that when you only have half a ship left, you know it doesn't make sense to have a captain and a first mate. So we had to we had to take away some ranks, and uh, this is what you got stuck with. You know?
1: Really, more of a raft at this point.
0: Look, I you know the captain will go down with the ship, and I don't care if it's two timbers. I will I will stay on this thing.
1: All right, you do that.
0: So before we get to our main review, we wanted to go ahead and do our introductory section, which we decided to start calling the Soapbox. Matt, why don't you get on up there and let us know what you've been thinking about. What do you want to get off your chest?
1: Well, uh, thank you, sir. I'm going to climb up on this here Soapbox. And uh, I think I want to talk a little bit about a game we played recently that I am excited to get to the table again. I'm interested in which is Terror Below from uh, Renegade Game Studio. Uh, it is basically a uh, board game about the movie Tremors, the uh, mid-90s uh, uh, horror vehicle starring Kevin Bacon fighting giant worms in the Southwest. But they didn't want to get the license to the movie tr- Trimmers, so they just made a game that almost entirely uh, mimics the look and feel of that movie. Down to uh, the look of the characters, but uh, it's a fun little uh, romp through the desert as you try to collect uh, eggs from giant worms and avoid getting crushed by them as they burst up out of the ground, flinging rubble all over the map. It was a really fun. Uh, it was a fun game. It's got cool components, uh, a bright, vivid art style, and it is just B movie uh, silliness and a box and i think we had a good time with it when we got it to the table uh a couple of weeks ago
0: i had a really fun time playing it like you said it's just pure b movie cheesiness from just the way that you move i mean if you pass another player you have the option to ramp off of their vehicle and move further than you would normally a lot of the weapons and the items that you get are completely bonkers it's definitely not the most balanced game i think You know, we have to play it a little more times, but, you know, I mean, it's just one of those games where the items that you get are either going to be incredibly useful or they may flunk out on you. You may get an item that randomly kills one of the worms you're trying to hunt on the map, but nine times out of ten, it's not going to hit anything. And so sometimes they'll be useful, sometimes they won't be. It's kind of Munchkin-esque where you can have really fun moments come out of it, but... If you're looking for a very like strategic or an in-depth game it doesn't really feel like the thing you should be pulling out
1: yeah that's probably a fair comparison i actually hadn't thought about munchkin but it is a little bit like that i mean uh i don't know i thought the designers are terrible i would probably not love being compared to munchkin but it does have that take that feeling with the card play to elaborate on a little bit i don't want to get into like a full review but it's essentially a drop off and pick up game the backstory of this has you trying to collect these eggs from these giant uh, worms that have taken over the desert, and you pick up an egg, you drop it off at a location, you score some victory points. But complicating things are the card play. There are items and weapons that can be used at different times to break the rules of the game. I think, like in a particularly like heart wrenching moment for me, I was like two squares away from dropping off an egg and finally scoring some points, and uh, another player used a one special card to like steal an egg from another player and then used another thing to uh, race in and beat me to the location and uh, drop off and score ahead of me. And it just totally like messed up my next turn. Stuff like that is can be like really frustrating because it's got a little bit of a take that feel. But overall, I still really liked it. I think it's elevated by the design components. It's just really cool, like all spread out on the table. The board is this unique shape. It kind of looks like a big craggy, uh, mountainous terrain. Uh, the eggs are these nice little molded 3D components that you scatter around the board, and they're like bright colors. The star of the game, to me, are these little wooden cart. The player component is a little vehicle uh, that you scoot across the desert, little vehicle meeple. A veeple? Is that a thing? Did I just invent veeple?
0: Vehicle meeple? Apparently so. Um, we're going to try and keep that quiet, though, and not tell anybody so they never hear about it.
1: No, that's a thing. The Veeple. Uh, so this game is... awesome. Uh, this game has nice components. got a nice look. And I think if you're in the mood for something that's just chill, you're not like dead set on winning. You just want to have a fun experience and some laughs. I think it could be a really good thing for a group. Particularly if you have any affinity for the old Trimmers movies or just be sci-fi, kind of over-the-top premises. Uh, I think this is worth a look. Uh, we're probably going to get to the table again and see how it goes. I think it being... A little unbalanced and potentially sort of take that s could be uh it's only significant downside but uh that was a that was a fun one and uh one that i am anxious to play again so uh what about you captain ian uh what do you want to get up on the soapbox and rant about
0: so i would actually like to mount a quick defense for keto bot battles this is a game that, while I'm not, you know, panned, it's only a six point five out of ten on Board Game Geek. You know, it's not a lot of people, you know, people don't dislike it, but it's not particularly loved by a lot of people either. And I've had the chance to play it multiple times over the last couple of weeks, actually. And I have developed a grow I have a growing love for this game, actually. I think it's actually similar to what we were talking about just now. Like it has a certain campiness and a certain cheesiness to it. And I think there's a lot to love there. So just to briefly explain what the game is, it's for you know up to two to four players. And you play as a giant robot that you're fighting the other players as. And it's essentially Yahtzee where as you roll you're going to go ahead and choose which attack you're doing you might get you know two of a kind full house five different five of a kind you have different attacks they all do different damages depending on how hard they are to get obviously five of a kind would be the hardest one to get so that would score you the most damage and then of course you get cards that you can play with and one of the things that makes it interesting as well is that each bot is different. There's three different designs. There's one that is focused on card draw and having a lot of cards. The other one is focused on attack. It has bonuses to all of its attack. It generally has less health. And then there's a bot that is focused on defense, normally has extra health. It has more dice and it gets you know more defensive powers. And that's one of the neat things uh, about it. So you start with a bunch of health. You, like, you have a health bar of sorts. And as it depletes, you get to gain power. So The more damage you take, the harder your bot will fight. These sort of games, the ones where you're like fighting other people, I feel like normally those are the games where you have people gang up on each other. And that's one of the least fun things that can happen, especially in a party game when you feel like everybody's going after you. And what I think this game does really well to mitigate that is they make sure that you have to attack every other player before you attack the same person twice, so your damage has to be spread out. And yeah, you can go for higher damage on one person and you know lower damage on another person, but you generally it, it's going to even itself out. And so every single time that I've played lately, everybody has been on their last couple health points around the same time. Like there's really nobody that tends to run away with the game because you have to keep attacking each other, and there's no chance to just pummel on one guy for a bit and make it so he can't catch up.
1: I love that about this game that, and, and I could see some people maybe don't like that mechanic where you have to spread the damage around. Cause it's sort of like, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of forcing you to do something, which is taking away an element of like player choice. Maybe strategically it makes more sense if you're like min maxing to like keep going after this one person and push them out of the game. But from a just pure like game enjoyment standpoint, by forcing you to keep attacking a different player every time, You're right. Every single game of this is tense at the end. It never really gets like a runaway situation. I mean, occasionally. This is a good one, and it did fly under the radar a bit. It was a 2017 release, and it uh, came out of Simon uh, and Spaghetti Western Games uh, published this one. I have a cool story with this one, actually, because the first time I played it, I played it at the Simon Expo in Atlanta. And uh, one of the game's designers, Phil uh, Barros, came by the table while I was playing this with a couple other folks, and he sat in with us. And it was a really fun experience to actually play uh, the game and have uh, one of the designers right there to like answer questions and talk about what inspired him and give a few hints and tips. So that was a really cool thing. And Phil Barros is one of the nicest uh, guys and totally up to meet uh, board game fans and talk about his designs. So that was really cool. So that was my first introduction to the game and we bought it and brought it home and played it some more. I think it's also worth mentioning in this game, the minis that come in it are all really spectacular. They're oversized plastic uh, minis of these robots in like funky anime designs. They're full color, pre-painted. I think that probably contributed to the cost. If I remember correctly, this game was a little expensive uh, out of the gate for what it was considering it's a relatively quick to play not super deep game uh i think maybe the initial production cost might have made this kind of costly and kept it uh off people's uh radar but uh if you can find a a, a used copy or a inexpensive copy of this i think it's a, a bit of a sleeper i think it's definitely worth a look
0: absolutely it's only 21 dollars on amazon right now i think it's worth picking up obviously we don't want to focus on it too much so we get to the main you know point of this podcast but i i just, I think it's worth mentioning also that this game does a really good job of balancing out the powers and the cards you get. So, you're almost never, unless you're going for the big attacks, you're almost never going to fail. Like, if you go for something small, there's enough card play, there's enough powers, there's enough options on the board where. You'll normally be able to get what you're rolling for if you're going for the smaller ones, which may not do damage but let you draw more cards. So there's a neat little like loop to it, and it makes it so that you're generally not going to get unlucky enough to not do anything, which which I think is really nice.
1: Hey, can I get back on the soapbox real quick?
0: Get back on that thing.
1: I got I got I want to give a quick shout out to the C Expo, and I really missed that event. Uh, that's that's a. Uh, Where we're at uh, in the southeast of the US, uh, there's not a whole lot of board game, like cons, not big ones, and the CMON Expo has been the one that uh, our group usually goes to every year. And it's a fun little expo. Uh, You meet a lot of cool people there. Uh, There's a lot of great games on display. Obviously, uh, CMON games uh, are the show, but they have a great, usually almost always have a great library and a great scene of people playing just even different kinds of games. And uh, obviously we didn't get to go in 2020 because of the continued awfulness. And I really uh, look forward to the day when we can have board game cons again. So that's my quick rant. Uh, Wear your mask, people. Get your COVID vaccines. We got cons to go to.
0: All right, so we're gonna move on to our actual topic of the podcast. We're gonna go ahead and get into our review on Pendulum and we'll be right back.
1: All right, and welcome back to the Dice Pirates, and we're going to dive into today's uh, main topic, which is a review of Pendulum, the big 2020 release from Stonemaier Games. Stonemaier, really one of the premier uh, publishers of board games right right now here in the golden age, uh, behind such hits like Scythe and Wingspan and Viticulture. And so Pendulum dropped with some high expectations and some high interest. Anytime Stolenmeyer comes to the table with a new release, it's gonna have uh, our attention because they are known for their quality and they're known for their prestigious games. And I gotta say that uh, in some ways Pendulum is probably their most uh, divisive or polarizing game. It is the subject of a lot of conversation in 2020. What even is this thing? uh is it good is it a flop is it an artifact from some strange far future where board gaming is very different than it is now uh ian uh give us a give us a quick overview what what, what's up with pendulum
0: so when we're talking about pendulum there's of course with all games There's three main areas that we need to talk about. We need to talk about the mechanics of the game itself. We need to talk about the design, the way the components are put together, how they help the game, and then the theme, if the theme is integrated well. But I want to focus first on the mechanics of the game so we can understand the way that it's played. So Pendulum, designed by Travis Jones, is a real-time worker placement game. So. The worker placement aspect of the game is fairly standard. You're going to know the way this works. You're going to understand what you're getting into. The goal of the game is to move three different tracks. You have your power track, your prestige track, and your popularity track. And you're trying to move them past a certain point. And if you get them past that point by the end of the game, you are eligible to win, providing you have moved yours further than other people past that point. The game itself takes place over four different rounds. The round consists of a timed section where you will work with these timers. And then there is an untimed council round afterwards where you will gain benefits and potentially powers, depending on how well you did during the time round, you can gain a resource called votes that will help put you first in the turn order, which allows you to get more powerful cards. The game itself is a pseudo engine builder you don't have to focus on building an engine but a lot of your turns will be focused on your production everybody has different production that they will take and these are actions on the board that will provide you different resources some of these resources are used to take different actions some of them are used to get your cards back your cards will provide you with different powers as well maybe you can retrieve workers you can get victory points from your cards you can gain additional cubes and resources. So your cards are going to be played outside of the real time, and that will be something that will take up the downtime you have during the timers themselves. So I want to go ahead and set that up, because understanding the way that the timers work can be a little bit complicated at first, so I think it's helpful to have a framework for how the game plays, because unlike a normal worker placement game, where there are just places that you will go, and You can either go there when somebody else is there, or you may not be able to. You're blocked by other people playing their workers. In Pendulum, the way that you place workers and where you're allowed to place workers is dependent upon these timers. So the board itself has three sections. There is a timer associated with each area, and one of them is a long timer. It has three minutes. One timer has two minutes, and the last one will have 45 seconds. The three-minute timer will have very powerful abilities. The two-minute timer will have less powerful abilities. And the 45-second timer is something that just provides you momentum for the rest of your turn, something that you keep going back to while you're waiting for the other timers to run out. The way that the timers interact with the worker placement operates like this. You have two identical rows with various actions that can be taken. And the timer will always be on one of those rows. You place your worker on a row that has no timer in it. And once the timer enters the row that your worker is in, you may take that action. And then once the timer leaves, you may remove your worker. Various cards will let you remove your worker from an area that has a timer in it. But generally, once you commit a worker, it's going to be stuck there until the timer runs out. So a lot of the strategy and the mechanics of the game is not committing too hard to the long timers and the powerful abilities. Because once you commit your worker there, he is stuck there until that timer runs out so if you commit a lot of your workers to the three minute timer you're going to have to wait a full three minutes to get that worker back and each round will only last slightly over nine minutes because the large timer will flip three times and that's going to be it so the flow of the game is placing your worker the timer will flip you will eventually get him back and then you try and move them back and forth and everybody is doing this in real time so everybody will be placing their workers where they need to go once you see a timer that has run out you may flip it to the other row within its section and you continue on until the end of that round and then you move into the council round so there's a lot going on with this and it can be tough especially at first glance to figure out what is going on matt what did you think when you got to this game for the first time
1: I was just thinking, man, this game is uh, really complicated <laughs> sounding in the description. And if you thought that sounded like a, not, a lot, you're not wrong. Uh, the here, Here's the thing about Pendulum. Uh, if you took away the real-time aspect of the game, uh, it's actually an incredibly simple worker placement game. It's like a million games you've seen. Put a little like wooden meeple down on a space and you either get a resource or a little track moves up uh you can spend those resources to do other things. It's totally simple. You've played a million games like it. The twist and the thing that most people can't wrap their minds around, the one that I'm still struggling with, is the fact that it plays out in real time. And that just flat out... Changes everything. Every player around the table is moving constantly, moving their pieces, trying to think. And you're up against these timers, these these uh, little sand timers that are ticking down constantly, and moving at three different times. And that's the wildest thing about it. You've got like three time streams going. So you put one worker down, and he's locked in for a certain length of time. And then you put down another one, and then that one opens up, and then this one is happening. And so constantly things are happening where you need to move this character, but if you can, but here's the kick. And this is what a lot of people I think don't realize too, is that if you actually miss a cycle, like if you accidentally leave a meeple on a space, and then once again, the timer moves back and and sits on him, you can't pick him up and you've lost him for like a whole cycle. It's like losing a turn. And so you've really gotta be highly perceptive in this game. You've gotta be looking at the board all the time. You have gotta be thinking, you've gotta be aware of the time. And it's just a lot. It's a very intense, highly focused game that I think is going to probably... A lot of people are going to bounce hard off of. And I think you've seen that in the board game community when you look at the reviews for this. There are people that give this an A+, and love it for its originality and for its challenge level. And there's people that are just like, hard nope. And I think we... uh, I think that makes it an incredibly difficult game to review uh, for that reason, because it's just so polarizing.
0: Yeah, there has been a marked divide in the way that people approach it. You're 100% right. Some people definitely enjoy it. Some people, like you said, have just bounced really hard off this game and they weren't sure what to make of it. Um, I think getting past that hurdle of learning how to play in a different framework is definitely the biggest one. Because once you get into the rhythm of the game, it's not as hectic as it sounds like. You have these timers moving back and forth, and you want to place your people and you'll move them around. But really, forty-five seconds is actually a fair amount of time. And so when you place your people, you might have a lot of time to think about things. If you put all your people on the two minute square, you're gonna have two minutes to think about what you want to do next. So you have you have a little bit of time. Yes, two minutes. Two whole minutes. You got a little bit of time. I realize that some of us might not think that quickly, but and here's you know, it's like, but this is the thing too whether you come up with your next move in five seconds, or it takes you 40 seconds to come up with your next move, you don't gain anything from coming up with your next move in five seconds. You have that time. So once you get into the rhythm of it, it is not, while it is still busy, it's going to be faster than other games for sure. It's not as hectic as it may sound at first glance. There are moments of busyness, but there is still downtime and it's not you're not. there's not going to be constant moving back and forth. You're not going to be constantly going for things because you will have moments to try and plan out your next couple turns. So there is a well-designed loop there, I feel. I also think that it's interesting. Like, it's not, you know, it, it is a fairly, you know, common worker placement game but i don't think it's a bad one like it definitely relies on the motif of the timers pretty heavily but i think despite that there's still a really interesting game behind there i mean when you gain resources you actually only gain them from your personal bank you only have 10 of each resource available to you at any time so you can only pool resources to a certain amount and then you have to start spending them before you can get them back the difference of moving three trackers instead of one and oftentimes you have to spend those trackers to get bonuses as well means that you have to be doing a lot of managing of how far you're moving, because if you get behind on one of them, you might not have the chance to win.
1: <sighs> pendulum, pendulum. OK, I have very complicated feelings about this game. I want to kind of like start getting into it, getting into my thoughts. And I think we it will elaborate on the gameplay and certain elements of the game, I think, as we go. But I wanted to kind of go big picture on this. This game is a very difficult game to critically uh, analyze for me because the single most off-putting, in in my personal opinion, uh, thing about the game is arguably the thing that's most successful, which is its real time. So to a certain degree, I feel like criticizing Pendulum because it's a real-time game and it's hard is like saying, I don't like this horror. It's like writing a review of a horror movie and saying like, this movie sucks because it really scared me. Well, no, that's what it tried to do. So arguably it's very successful, right? If a horror movie scares you. And so just like horror movies aren't for everybody because they are scary. I think a real-time worker placement engine builder is not going to be for everybody. In fact, if I say the phrase to you, do you want to play a real-time, worker placement engine builder and a cold shiver goes down your spine, I would say, listen to that feeling because this game is exactly what you think it is. It's a brain burner that involves trying to anticipate moves ahead, find efficiencies the way you do it in an engine builder. Like what's the shortest possible path and moves to acquire the resources I need to get ahead of my opponents. You're having to think through all those kind of mental puzzles that you do in any engine building worker placement game, whether it's viticulture or something else or Lords of Waterdeep or whatever. It's all of that, but the, you're you're having to think in short amounts of time, which, you know, short is subjective. You know, having 45 seconds to think about your move might feel like enough time for some people, but that you have a compressed and finite amount of time to think about what you want to do next with your people. And you're having to make that choice while everyone else is acting at the same time. No going around and seeing what other players are doing and let that kind of like inform your action. You're just on your own journey and you're moving and the pressure really mounts. And I will say that the game, it doesn't feel frantic at first when you have two meeples. But man, when you get three or God forbid you add another one, that's a lot of decisions to have to make. I mean, that is a really, that's that's a lot. Actually, the I was thinking about this and I realized the point in the game it, both times when I played it, when I started to have the most trouble with it is when I added the third meeple, which you have to do. You'll acquire another worker at some point and you have to do that to stay competitive. And I'm, and you can even get a fourth, but whenever I get that third one, it throws off my game so much because now I have three distinct moves that I've got to think about in these compressed time frames, and they're all operating on different time scales. My brain just starts spinning. You know, it's like that gif of like the lady with the math, like appearing around her head. Like that's what I feel like when I play that game.
0: I'm glad that you did make the point of saying that the game is what it sounds like because yeah, if this is a game that you probably don't think you're gonna be into, you may very well not be. I've never seen a game utterly break you the way I saw this game break you. I was genuinely feeling kind of bad for bringing the game for a a minute there just because I I could see the gears in your head just grind to a halt.
1: I did feel bad. You should. This game's a Travis. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's uh so one of the things I do find fascinating about board games, this is kind of a brief tangent, is I I I love the way games actually reveal sort of people's uh the way people's brains are kind of like wired differently. And I and I that fascinates me. Like you'll see a person really click with a particular game, and it's like, oh, this game is just like speaking their language. That this is their their zen, they're just like scoring points or just making it happen. And then other yeah. games just their brains just like fry. Like we have uh, one of our good buddies that we play with, uh, Matt, I always say that like Lords of Waterdeep is his game, really worker placement games in general, but like for some reason, Lords of Waterdeep is just like in his DNA and you can watch him over there and he's like, he knows like everything he's going to do to win like the minute he sits down to play it. But then he sits down in front of a game like Root with all these different asymmetrical variables and things that are outside of your control and you can watch him kind of shut down. You're just like, oh, you know, this is like, I don't even know how I'm feeling about this. Whereas I'm the opposite. A game like Root like plays to my strengths. I guess I thrive in like chaos. Definitely, Pendulum is a game that like did not play to like my strength as a player and like what I'm skilled at. And that's fine. And that's why I don't like fault the game. I honestly think that despite my personal kind of struggles with the real time nature of it, uh, I think it is incredibly successful in its implementation of a real time rule structure in a worker placement environment that's super impressive it deserves some praise i think it deserves some critical analysis and there's a look from like serious gamers however i do think objectively there are some things about this game that do not work as well and keep it from being truly great and i think part of that goes into design especially visual design of this game
0: I don't think you're 100% wrong there. I think the design was potentially a little bit lacking. When you look at the board, the board does have a lot of negative space. I think that in itself is actually a good thing, because when you do have people moving around, I think cluttering the board up too much would be a downside. But I think there is a little bit of confusion, at least at first, with understanding what everything is. And the design of the game itself, The icons and things that you have well i think it's good to have them simplified especially for a game that moves as fast as pendulum i do wish that they had a little more character to them
1: yeah so i agree i mean there's a lot of lack of charm lack of theme in this game kind of want to expand on that uh as we go on here but like i think the biggest uh hindrance to this game to me is that in a game where you're having to make decisions quickly pretty complex decisions about you know where you're gonna put these characters and how you're gonna put together a strategy to win uh it doesn't really use its visual space to like tell you information in the most efficient way so specifically when you're looking at this board it's just kind of a bland brown uh i actually think if you look kind of underneath the graphics it's actually just like a tabletop like there's like bits of parchment and like a knife or something like it's meant to be like you're looking down on a table i think uh, but there are just these little boxes, big big boxes all over the place uh, that you're meant to place your meeple. And then down below it is a smaller box that indicates the thing you're going to get when you place there. Kind of the classic worker placement thing of like, I place a guy here, I'm going to get this. And I think one of the biggest decisions, they, bad decisions they made in this is that a lot of the real estate is given up to the big box where you place the meeple. And the reward icon is very small. Compare uh, the board of Pendulum to another Stonemaier game. Uh, worker placement game, Viticulture. In Viticulture, uh, you have this beautiful map of the Tuscan Hills. And it's probably not fair to compare those games because it's different art styles. I get it. But, you know, the vineyard is, the w- the spaces are big pictures. So if you like, go to the vineyard and then the, the icons indicating how many workers can go there are much smaller. So the visual thing is like the space and what it gives you is conveyed logically by the art and by the image versus this one where so much of the real estate is just given up to boxes and lines the other issue i have with this game is the color scheme is really repetitive in a completely unnecessarily complex way to kind of elaborate on how the game works there are three tracks that you're trying to move up to win there's a red one which i think is maybe might or something thematically a lot of this gets really muddy but there's a red track that I think is might a yellow track that is popularity and a blue track. That is something that has never been defined. And the uh, the hundred percent doesn't matter because the theme is so lightly pasted on, but there's red, yellow, and blue. Your primary resources are also just a slightly different shade of red, yellow, and blue, and they don't correspond. There's a red uh, resource that is like, I don't know, fight power. It's like a shield and some swords fight power. Doesn't always equate to like might and going to the red, like, Fight space doesn't make the might track go up. So why are there two different red icons? When I'm having to make decisions in like 45 seconds, I'm have to. I'm having to like parse this like very minute difference between reds and like shapes of of icons. It's just really maddening. And there's no text on the board anywhere, which I get that it makes it like not language dependent. You don't have to translate it, but you have to like really learn to like read this board quickly. And it's easy, super easy to get confused.
0: That is definitely, I think, my biggest concern with as well is just that you do have some repetition in color. I think the icons themselves are generally different enough, but they do get muddied if you're just not understanding what it means yet. The game does provide you an option to play without timers, where you still move the timers, but the timers aren't actually activated. You have a little tracker and you move a little plastic hourglass down the tracker and it tells you which timer to move back and forth. So you still get the turn-based aspect of the game without having the hecticness of the timer itself. And I think, you know, for the first time playing, that's definitely the way to go because it helps you to get an idea of how the game works, what things are, without the stress of trying to figure out what you're doing from point to point. Because it can it can get a little much. I think this game is definitely one of those games that is going to be made better the more you play it, because you're going to understand what the icons mean. And especially the characters themselves are actually, I think, very well designed. The game itself has a lot of options. There's a lot of different things you can do. You can focus on going for a lot of provinces and make it so that when you you can get a ton of stuff, you can focus on just straight up getting your victory points from the board themselves. You can focus on resource accumulation, things like that. There's different options you have. And the standard side of the characters is fairly consistent. There's some differences. But when you get to the advanced side, you actually have some major differences in the way that the characters go. For instance, one character gets provinces for free, does not have to pay for them. So you can really build a solid engine. Another character, when they do their production, they actually get to take any four resources they want. So you get the option here of just not even building an engine. Your engine is almost built for you. And the cards that you have will allow you to gain victory points very quickly. So the way these two characters play the game is vastly different. And you're going to be playing a very different game. And you'll be going for very different spots on the board. I do want to quickly defend the design of the board. Because while you're right, it's not the most appealing board you've ever seen. Its design is fairly simplistic. I think that's important. I actually had the opportunity to reach out and ask Travis Jones a couple questions about the way the game was designed and some of the artistic choices there. And that's something that was actually very much considered. Because in a game that moves this quickly and a game where you're constantly trying to find what you need to do within a set amount of time. You need to make sure that all the information is very clear. And And while I do agree that, yes, the icons themselves were not always the most well-designed, I think it's far better to have a board that is a simple and clear-cut board with very defined areas of where you're going to go, as opposed to having a board like Viticulture, your example, which while viticulture does have defined areas you go most of the board is taken up by artwork it's primarily just pictures of cottages and fields and if you were trying to play viticulture under any sort of time constraint you would actually be struggling significantly so i think the design of it the board particularly while there are other aspects of the design that i think are not perfectly done i think the board itself needed to be structured the way it is because the more clutter you put on the board, the harder it's gonna be, and the more brain power you're gonna make people invest just to understand what's going on.
1: You know, I don't know. I think it's, uh, you know, everything's subjective in reviews, but I I really feel strongly that this board is like, lacks some serious polish. uh, Because, uh, and I've only played it two times, but both times I played it, I found it to be unintuitive it does become more clear over multiple plays. So that's where I think this kind of the real essence of pendulum is, does the real time nature of it hook you? Does it make you excited? Uh, Is it just like this? I love how competitive this is. I love how kind of the pressure of having to make decisions quickly. If you kind of thrive in that energy, then you'll probably want to play the game multiple times, in which case you'll learn the board and things will become second nature. Uh, But it's not a game that pulls you in. And I probably wouldn't make a big deal, so much of a big deal out of it, except for the fact that this is Stonemaier. And it's again, it's probably I know it's unfair to compare Pendulum to other games like it's not comparing apples to apples. But man, when you have a studio that's brought you games that are like visually like sumptuous and like expertly designed information is conveyed in logical ways like Wingspan and Scythe uh when you when you have a studio like that and you sit down in front of a pendulum you're like really this came out of Stonemire? it just it's it's wild
0: it definitely does feel like it might not be at quite the same level of polish in terms of design especially because some people have had issues with the sand timers not always working 100 properly which of course is a big issue so there have been some people that have had some issues with that that is a huge problem especially in a game that revolves around these timers and it does feel like Stonemeyer didn't live up to exactly what they needed to be on this one. I do appreciate though that a studio like Stonemeyer is willing to put out these kind of games because it's a real bold move to put out something so different. And I mean, you know, we talking, you know, talk about Scythe, talk about Wingspan, you know, they do put out good games, but they've also put out games like Tapestry, which were also a very divided game that a lot of people did not enjoy so much. So, like, you know, they do put out games that are very good but i think they're also willing to take a chance on some games and put out things that might be a little outside of the norm
1: tapestry not to get too far into it aside i think you're right i mean tapestry kind of was uh a mixed reaction to that game and part of that i think was more uh because of expectations not being met i mean tapestry is uh when you look at the box and read the description of it it sort of reads like it's going to be uh, a civilization building game like the civilization PC game or something. And when you play it, it's just not quite that. I don't even know how to really describe uh, uh, tapestry it, that, to me, that's a case of where the games look feel and theme are so different from the execution that it probably freaked a lot of people out, but I don't think tapestry is a bad game. We should probably play that again. Uh, Pendulum's the opposite problem sort of maybe not the opposite problem pendulum is exactly what it is like we said it's a real time worker placement game it nails that it is real time the rules are tight the structure for the real time rules makes sense which i think is an achievement you can't understate that this game could have been chaos everyone acting at the same time moving pieces around if they didn't think through and solve that puzzle of like how do you make a worker placement game where all the players are acting at the same time if they didn't solve for that this game would never have worked and they did do that but the problem is that it just it i feel like it needed something else to elevate it and make it more than just like the trick of the real time I, and i don't think it 100 percent nailed it can we talk about the theme a little bit because i think that's the other thing that keeps this thing from really taking wings and being special is the theme
0: yeah i think i think it would be good to talk about the theme because i agree with you i think the mechanics themselves. While if you may not like them, you may be a huge fan of them. The mechanics are really well done. They really fit. And they did a good job of making them feel super good when you get the hang of them. And the the component design was eh, so-so. Some of it was good. Some of it wasn't amazing. But I think the theme is definitely probably the the biggest letdown of, of the game for me.
1: So it's essentially a fantasy themed uh, game, right? There's actually a fairly elaborate backstory. When you open this thing up, there's like a long story graph there about the time king or something who's died and the throne and all these factions vying for power. It's like Twilight Imperium in like a clock world or something. I don't even know. They clearly were like in a game about time. Let's make time the major plot point. So there's all this stuff going on. There's a uh, really interesting art in places, uh, particularly on your character sheet. You can see these like hyper kinetic looking uh, fantasy characters in like vivid colors. There's a world that they created here. The characters all have like crazy names and like there's a story here. And then none of that comes through in the game. I've just never seen a game that so forgets this theme the minute you start playing. And that is the biggest dis- disappointment to me. In a good worker placement game, there's this marriage between theme and action where when I do a thing, it logically flows. The theme and the action like logically flow together. So in like Clans of Caledonia, this Scottish Highlands uh, industrial game, Everything you do makes sense when I, uh, you know, I, I, I need to harvest sheep, I need to get the wool, I need to fulfill my orders, I need to build these things. It's like you, you, you're immersed in the action of the world, but it's still just an engine building game. In Pendulum, I don't know what any of these spaces are supposed to represent on the player board, and I don't know what I am doing or how it corresponds to anything. The theme just completely falls flat to me.
0: The theme was not represented as well as it could have been um the idea of it is that like you said the time king has been is the time King, the immortal King is gone. Nobody knows what happened to him. And you are a group of nobles that are in the process of trying to take his place. And the representation of that comes from the various tracks that you're trying to push to the end to win. That would be, you have to increase your power. You have to increase your prestige and you have to increase your popularity. These are the red, blue and yellow tracks that you were talking about earlier. And to do that, You have to gain resources. Specifically, you have to gain military resources, cultural resources, and gold. Now, it's kind of like it's neat to have that. Like, you can see the tie into the theme there, but that's about where it ends. The most the theme really ties in, it comes in the form of votes. The way that you determined turn order, which really only factors during the untimed council section at the end of each real-time round, where if you have the most votes, you get to choose the first card and you get a little bonus for being first. So that's that's a neat little integration there where if you have the most votes, you become like the head of the council, you have the most opportunities to move forward and maybe become the next time king. But it definitely failed to really encapsulate the theme any further than that, because outside of saying what these things were, it wasn't. It never says on your player board what each of these things is. It just has icons. Like you said, there's no text. And if you understand what it is, it's kind of cool to think about. But it does feel like, how would you even incorporate the theme more into a game that moves this fast?
1: I mean, it, the the theme is so lightly implemented that in the two times we've played it, I've never known that the blue track is called Prestige. It comes up not a bit. And how is Prestige different than popularity? Who even knows? I do to make the point, and, and, and this is to me, I'm harping on this because I do feel like it's the greatest kind of shortcoming of the game. Like, let's just take the popularity track for instance. If you want to make the yellow popularity track go up. You just go to like one particular space on the board and it makes it go up too. And there's no explanation for what you're doing thematically to increase your popularity. You're not like giving a big speech or paying people gold or money. There's no flavor text. There's no thematic element. Like, why am I getting more popular? Well, I'm getting more popular because I went to the space that makes my popularity go up. Compare the implementation of popularity as a as a metric in this game to Scythe. Scythe has a similar, a popularity track that increases over the course of the game. And there are times when in Scythe, you just take a particular action and it makes your popularity go up. But then there are other thematic things that that heighten it. Like you can build a monument and the monument is another way to make your popularity go up. And that makes sense to me. It's like I've built a monument to myself and my people are proud, so I'm becoming more popular. But then the inverse happens. If I take certain aggressive actions in Scythe, the popularity goes down. So. They've taken this abstract resource where, again, if you just strip all the theme away, you're just making a, a wooden meeple climb up a track. But they've given it just that little bit of thematic interplay to where it's enmeshed in the game in a way that makes sense. I know why my popularity is going up because I've built a monument or I've done these things, and I know why it's going down. In Pendulum, it's none of that. That's the hardest thing to me to swallow about Pendulum is it's basically a game about moving three colored tracks further to the right in order to win
0: you are right on that i really can't defend the thematic tie-ins of pendulum just because it really does fail to follow through and to actually incorporate that into the game itself it really is the theme is fun window dressing it's cool to look at i like that the artwork is there but you're not going to get any more of it by playing the game you're not going to learn anything like you said games like scythe do a good job of actually pulling you more into the world the theme of pendulum is just there to provide background flavor to the game as you play the actual game itself which isn't necessarily a bad thing i I just do wish that it had they had somehow found a way to incorporate it more
1: yeah i think that a better i think a more tight implementation of theme would have helped folks like me who are struggling with the real-time nature of it to find something to kind of pull us along and make us have a good time if I felt like there was a story being told or I felt like I was connecting somehow with my faction and I understood what their unique goals were or like how they were different, you know, that might've helped. I think it would be good though. Now to just kind of really talk about like the experience of playing a real time game. Cause that, that ultimately is a, you know, uh, at the end of the day, pendulum is a pretty standard worker placement game with a familiar feel, but it's spun totally on its head by these real time rules And so what do you think about that? I mean, do you, how do you feel about real time as a concept? Is that, do you like it? Is it something that uh, you want to see more of?
0: I would be interested in playing another real time game just because I think the mechanics themselves could be adjusted or could be used in a different way because I think it's a fascinating idea. It not only makes your strategy have to be quicker, so you can't. Take five minutes to take a turn because if you did that on pendulum, you would just miss the entire game. It also makes sure that the game is over in a fairly short amount of time. Like you know, the game's going to be over, you know, in in an hour and a half tops. You know, if you're playing, if you're playing real slow and you're taking time to do things, like it doesn't take long to play. And I I think there's benefit to that. I did enjoy the focus shift a little bit, though. Like I think real time mechanics, while I wouldn't want them in everything, I think there's a place for them, and I think if Pendulum at least inspires more people to bring those elements into a game, I'd be happy with that because I think it set out, it hit the mark of what it was trying to achieve. It tried to be a real-time worker placement game. And I think it succeeded in that wholly. And I want people to actually move forward with this idea because that's not something we see a lot of. There are some, some games that bring that in, but not to this level. And I think this one succeeded in doing what it wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... It, yeah. Anything that innovates in this space where there's so much sameness, I mean, uh, there's so many board games coming out right now, and there's so many that are just repurposing familiar mechanics that any anything that can shake it up and do something totally different really does deserve our attention, and that's why I think it was good to like talk about it. My sort of feelings about real-time rules in these games, in a game like this, is I'm not sure if it actually... Lines up 100% with what I love about board gaming. Part of my reason I gravi- have gravitated to board games over video games over the last few years is I like that it slows things down. I, I actually really like that. Uh, you know, I'm at a different phase of my life where I work in like a fast paced job that's really busy. I have kids. You have all these kind of things in your life that you're ping ponging off of all the time. And then a board game forces you to slow down. And it does, and and think about what you're doing and focus on something. I like the fact that I can watch other players, what they're doing on their turn and help me learn the game more or think about strategy. I like that I have time to think about my moves. I like the fact that if a game's not particularly complicated, we can talk and joke and (laughs) socialize in between turns. Uh, When you play a real-time game, all of a sudden that aspect of board gaming is totally lost. We were dead silent playing this game i mean just focused on the board doing our things and we're all kind of sweating and i felt like i was in my own little island of anxiety just like oh, i don't know what to do uh so it just didn't feel like what i want out of a board game so it threw me for a loop but i liked it better the second time and you're absolutely right about that it is a game that uh i don't, I don't think that pendulum has a learning curve i think it has a learning wall I mean, you just you just run right into it and you're like, oh, this is a whole thing. This is different. This is wild. But if you can get over that wall, you're like, okay, I'm seeing it now. And I bet if we played it again, and I know we will play it again. It feels like I'm dumping all over it, but I, I feel very confident we'll play this again. It'll feel a little more familiar.
0: You have to run before you can walk is a very good way to I think the learning curve of this game because it doesn't give you a chance to slow down a- ever. I would like to just get your overall thoughts on the game. what did you what would you say about this game in just your last little bit?
1: Personally, I would give it a mixed review. Uh, like like strongly mixed. Uh, I admire that they created a real-time rule set that works and is cohesive. Uh, I, th- I'm, I'm impressed by that. Um, it, it, this game should have been a disaster, and it's not a disaster, but it's not a soaring success. So for me, it's, it's a very uh, divided sort of feeling. Uh, sort of admiring what they achieved in creating a real-time worker placement game that plays, uh, that 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 plays at all, and is it chaos? But it just doesn't have enough theme. It doesn't have enough flavor. It doesn't have enough to like make me like connect with it. And that puts me off because I'm more of a uh, story-driven, highly thematic board game type person anyway. So to pull me into a Euro-style game anyway needs some kind of hook. I would say that the game is mixed. And my recommendation would be that this is not a beginner board game, certainly not a gateway game. I think this game is absolutely perfect for the board game group or board game fans that play a lot of games and really want something different.
0: Pendulum is definitely, far and away, one of the most unique games that we've been able to bring to the table. And I would definitely agree. It is not going to be for everyone, but if you are interested at all in playing game, if you want something really meaty that you can really dig your teeth into, if you really enjoy figuring something out, playing it a bunch of times, if that is your game group's style of play, then 100% check it out. I think it's very worth it. I do enjoy this game a lot and i think that it ended up being exactly what it needed to be so that is our review of pendulum definitely one of the most divisive games i think of last year you are definitely going to get people on both sides for our next episode we're going to go the complete opposite direction we're going to talk about something that is almost entirely theme and story we're actually going to do an episode on Dungeons and Dragons specifically getting into Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Yeah, man. We have uh, sort of been on a journey with that together for the last uh three years or so. Uh a DM a group that Ian plays in, and then Ian and I play together in another group uh led by our fellow Dodge Pirate, Dennis. So uh I love Dungeons and Dragons. It is quickly become like one of my favorite things to do and I'm super stoked to talk about getting into the hobby and kind of just helping people kind of decide whether or not they want to give it a whirl if you've uh, never uh, played it before.
0: That's definitely gonna be a fun discussion. I'm looking forward to having that one with you. For now, if you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe on iTunes, let us know that you enjoyed it or reach out to us and contact us on Instagram. Matt, how can people get in touch with us?
1: Check us out on Instagram at Dice Pirates. Go follow us there. Uh, check out all of our posts. Uh, we post a lot of great content, uh, many reviews of games, updates on what we're playing. I post weird gifts and nonsense to the Instagram story. If that's your jam, give us a follow, send us a message. Uh, we'll actually respond to you. We'll talk to you in real life. We'll be nice.
0: We can't wait to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And we will be back next time here on the Dice Pirates.
1: See ya.